Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Am I your good friend? You always say that, but sometimes you don't even text me back. I usually don't text you back, and I'm also, uh, we do have interviews out for a new good friend. Uh, yeah. Most important uh, qualification is uh, basement space for a studio. <laughs> So if you know anyone, I am I am looking. <laughs> You're making me sad. How you doing, Andrew? So freaking good. Guys, he- listen, listen. Oh boy. What do you got there? Bubba? I have new two big new bags of old Vienna's red hot riplets flavored with St. Louis style hot sauce from our very good friend. Southpaw. You don't have two. You just have one. Well, I'm taking two. Oh, (laughs) the worst. Thank you so much, man. These are so good. And if I'm not mistaken, Miss Bacon, Miss Bacon, I said it wrong. I'm so excited. (laughs) You Miss Bacon. Uh, This bag is definitely spicier than the previous bags that we had. Dude, I think it is. Yeah. And he also sent us a seasoning jar. Yeah. Can. Uh, What do you call these? Containers? Shakers? Uh, Shakers. Yeah. Uh, seasoning shakers of the red hot ripplet seasoning and this is the dream i can't i'm gonna put this on everything you, you know the nice part about those is for me i i'm able to enjoy that flavor without without the carbs right because I, I eat keto some of you guys know we talk about it on the show way too much but so the chips i can have like four or five of them but then i kind of have to set them aside otherwise i blow my carb allowance for the day so now i can uh i can make some yummy kale chips in the <laughs> oven on purpose <laughs> <laughs> uh oh you know what i don't have to no Oh, that's the music. <laughs> You're a mess. I'll be able to edit all of that right out. True. Don't you worry about that. Um, but then people will be like, "What's he editing out?" They won't know. Yeah, and you, you could just yeah. We wonder. just we're confusing here on purpose. We we aim to confuse. But but yeah. Uh, good week. Good week for you, Andrew. Busy week. Good week. I'm I'm uh. I had some tests, some pretty important tests this week. Passed them with flying colors. It and some in the clear. Has your has your class ranking improved? I know last time we talked, you were very. I'm still tied for a second. This okay. is some nonsense. The dude's perfect. I'm never gonna catch him. That's okay though. All right. We get paid the same. That's right. <laughs> is he is he one of the state trooper guys? No, nah, he's he's one of he's one of my teammates. Oh, that's too bad. So Andrew's at the police academy. Those of you who don't know, uh, here in Oregon, and so there's been shout uh, out some chips. He he he's been. Yeah. He, are you just going to eat chips on the microphone? Yeah. God, you're the worst. Uh, so he's been he's been doing the academy. He's been the whole entire time second place. There's like he missed a first question on the first yeah. test, and this guy is just this other guy. He's just he's just scoring perfect. He's a possible. He's Tiger Woods, like classic Tiger Woods. What we're dealing with, classic right Tiger Woods. You know, you make a single mistake and you're screwed. Yeah, that's I okay. mean, not not modern Tiger Woods, but but actually, no classic, classic Tiger, Tiger Woods. Tiger yeah, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. but I think. This is an appropriate time now to to tell everybody we're not alone. That feels a little creepy to say it that way, but I don't think it actually is. No, it's weird to say it that way, but we, we, maybe we have guests. Because this we, isn't an this isn't an alien thing. This is we have guests today. We do have guests today. So some some of you know we've been uh, incorporating guests into our episodes, and and we love it. I love it. Andrew loves it because it means his only job, which is which is episode preparation, is significantly. It's next lighter. to nothing. Yeah, and you're not even doing the coordination. No, 
That's amazing. Golly. I just show up, eat chips, drink beer. <laughs> so the only thing Andrew does is now uh, been completely eliminated. But without further ado, we have got two, I think, pretty neat guests. This is different than anything we've ever done. Claire and Liam from the Art of Horology are here on the line with us. Claire and Liam, how are you? Hello. Hey, good. guys. Hey. <laughs> Real quick before we get started, why don't you tell these folks where... Uh, they can find you so they can follow along as we as we start to talk about what you're doing. Sure, yeah. So you can find us at www.art-of-horology.co.uk. Instagram is at the underscore art underscore of underscore horology. Plenty of Ooh. underscores there. Yeah. And I assume... I don't know this because I haven't tried it. I assume if you if you just put in your type bar art of horology, these guys will pop right up. I've never had any trouble finding them. So. Yeah, yeah. We hope so, anyway. <laughs> is there another art of horology without the underscores? Not that I think there, I think there is a watch uh, kind of school in the states ah, somewhere. Okay. So yeah, it kind of clashes with that, but yeah, we've never had an issue with people finding us, thankfully. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know what? That's totally non-literal. Literal to be a, a, a horology school or a watchmaking school called the art—that's not art. That's horology. You guys are actually. <laughs> The art of horology. Yeah, that's the idea. So tell us who you are. So, yeah, we're a married couple in the UK. Um, I'm going to apologize now for my nasal, <laughs> fluey voice. But, yeah, Claire and Liam. No, you know what? I was actually really surprised when you came on the line. Last time we talked, you sound exactly like an English Morgan Freeman. Royalty. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, is this Morgan Freeman with an English accent? But today it's it's a little different. So I hope you're feeling better. Uh, this is just this flu. But yeah. The um, too bad. Yeah, the seasons have changed over here. But we're both 31-year-old married couple. And this is kind of our passion project. It's kind of grown organically and allowed Claire to work on it full time, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us what the art of horology is, because some, you know, here's the thing: we do this thing on the show, right, where we we want to talk about people that we want to know more about. Some folks are going to know about you; some folks might not. Uh, assume that Andrew and Everett are the average listener who don't know anything about you. Tell me about what the art of horology is. Sure. So, the art of horology produce posters of luxury and maybe not so luxury pieces. Yeah, we've got some Casios in there, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I just pulled up an F ninety one. So. <laughs> yeah, so so we've got a we've got a massive range now, mm-hmm. but we we have pre-printed stock of your Submariners, your Newmans, Speedies, and then we also do custom prints. So if you have a family heirloom, we've we've recently drawn a Seamaster, um, but we, we can design these custom posters and have them printed. We also do a range of merchandise, so we have T-shirts and jumpers. And yeah, we do all of this out of our bedroom in the UK. Yep. Say bedroom. It's more of an office. <laughs> bedroom slash office, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, many of our listeners, many of our listeners are in the UK. You know, I'd say upwards towards 20, 30% are in the UK. And they'll probably know exactly what you mean when you say jumpers. But Andrew just <laughs> raised his eyebrows at me. Can you tell oh. us what a jumper is? <laughs> oh, sweaters. A sweater. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I was imagining like a like a bodysuit romper. And yeah, I, and I was Im- that's exactly what I had. I was immediately too. intrigued. I was going to say I need an F ninety one romper to wear. We will take we will take like ten percent royalties when you introduce the art of horology rompers. 
that's the next spring summer collection. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry to interrupt. Uh, so, so, so keep going. I mean, I, I think that this is, I, I think that this is one of those things that when you when, when you talk about it in the way you have, it, it's it's accurate. But I'm not sure folks are able to understand sort of how cool this is. So. So, I mean, maybe I'll just ask you by this. What was the first print? How'd you get started here? Cool. So, we started back in 2016. Now, it just came out of nowhere, really, didn't it? Yeah. I came back from work one day and was like, I've got an idea. And when he comes back with a home from work with an idea, I think, oh, God, here we go again. But it was actually a really good idea. And we kind of went with it this time. So, so yeah, just a quick introduction, well, introduction, a quick history on our backgrounds. Might have to edit that out. That's a massive tongue twister. But so Claire worked in, <laughs> and I was a creative director at a design agency. And I think in 2016 was when I started to get really serious about watches. It was reading a story on the Speedy and the Moon Watch, and you've got this whole romantic idea that this watch has been to the moon, and every lady's dream as well. But a watch that's been to the moon with a spaceman is super cool. <laughs> Well, to me it was. Yep. So I ended up illustrating a picture of this watch, and we basically posted it on Instagram, and it had a massive kickoff. We had comments, messages, where can yeah. we buy this? It was just like um, on your personal account, wasn't it? It just started. I think it was more as well like, oh, you know, we we just had the birth of our first child as well, didn't we? So like, I kind of didn't want to go back to work after that. So it was just more of like a, what can we do to make you stay home with kids that can also, you know be able to live like an easy life as well, I suppose, wasn't it? So I, I, yeah. as, I assume that that has not panned out the way you thought it might, the the whole not going back to work thing. Well, no, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm upstairs in the office sorting out orders, you know, emails, things like that. And then, uh, you know, the, the kids will come trundling in wanting to play and things. So that's where, that's where it's like kind of hit and miss with, uh, it's not like a nine to five job. It's just kind of, you know, when I can, I, I do it kind of thing. So it's a bit of a difficult one sometimes for me, I think. But yeah, so just back to where it all kicked off. We yeah, we started with the speedy, and then we, we started getting inundated on Instagram with messages and could we do a different print? So we set up an Etsy page. Um, basically, we just I just started drawing watches every evening when the kids were asleep, and we was banging them out on Etsy. Yeah, and, yeah. That but, was it then, wasn't it? It was just like yeah, the, one thing led to another, and then it just got bigger over time, didn't it? And yeah, so so it, Etsy was great for us. It um, it gave us the capital to then build the website, and then the money from the website went into merchandise and marketing. And organically, we've we've got to where we are today, which is in my eyes, it's incredible. So when you draw these, what's your what is your background to to just sit down and and draw a watch i mean i i could maybe hammer out a, a circle with some sticks but how how what's your background like that you're able to do this yeah we're actually planning a competing company right now so andrew is doing market research yeah <laughs> that's good so <laughs> everyone else is joining on so. Yeah. <laughs> so my i was trained in graphic design and typography at university Okay, so write that down in yep. your step one. Typography, graphic design. <laughs> what university? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was more like fashion-y design kind of areas. So I think it just kind of moved together, really, didn't it? Yeah. 
so where was we going with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> hey, you know what? You guys take this wherever you want. We're here yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Originally, we did a lot of monochrome prints. Now they're the black posters with the white outlines, and that's purely because. I'm not tarnishing all blokes with the same brush, but I'm very black and white. I want everything monochrome. Plain, simple, yeah. boring. <laughs> no joking. Whereas if Claire had her way, we'd have flowers on it. It'd be bright and colourful and so on. Oh man, there's I, a dynamic here that I'm. I'm. We'll, we'll suss this out as we move on. I think a, a, one of the Rolex rainbows on a flower background would be Rain- lovely. Yeah, Rainbow Daytona. That's your next print, right? Oh, no. On a jumpsuit. No. Yes. <laughs> on, a, on a romper. <laughs> so, oh, so you guys come from this, you guys come from this sort of design, graphic design, fashion design background. And, and then one day you throw up a, one day you throw up an Instagram of something you made for yourself. It sounds to me, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, it, it was going to be something for my what would have been man cave man cave which so, is now office uh-oh. yeah <laughs> you you played yourself yeah yeah, yeah. D- dj Khaled. Yeah. cue the dj Khaled <laughs> audio which i don't have you played yourself i don't think we could use it i think there's some licensing issues there <laughs> why don't you go into to your your whole process from say say let's do a custom order if i i come to you and say hey i've got this watch it's a family heirloom what does that process look like from that initial contact to me actually getting the print in the mail for on on your side sure so usually we get a message through the website and somebody has sent an email so hey art Ferology, this is everett i've got a fp jean that i've been handed down <laughs> oh and man like, oh, thank the <laughs> lord that i have that why haven't I seen it? What's going on here? You're holding out. Or an SKX. So you basically that's how the interaction starts. And then we'd ask you to provide as many photos as of you as you can. And we'd also ask what style are you looking for it? Would you like the the monochrome, the black and white style, the more high fidelity coloured version? Or more recently we've started a sketch series, which takes a lot longer. But ultimately, we're we're at the discretion of the customer. Yeah, it's like whatever they want, really, isn't it? We'll just try and sort it out, and then it'll be... um, I'll go away. Yeah, go back to it, go away and say, you know, that's what you're after, give me some time, go back. And then we give people usually about three three different um, copies of, like, you know, is this okay? And we feed it back into emails of pictures like this is how far we are. Claire's making this sound really simple. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, yeah. So why don't you, why don't you be more specific? I mean, what, so, so I understand, uh, having just, you you know, looked at your designs and, and looked at your website that, that Liam, you're doing the actual, um, the initial creation of the images. So what does that look like? Yeah. So again, it depends if you guys were, to go down a sketch route, I basically sketched a poster. By hand? Uh, yes. So it's a bit of both. So it starts out as a sketch, which is done on our kitchen table when the kids are in bed. Um, and then it's scanned in and it's tidied up because there could be a lot of smudge marks or something doesn't look quite right. But it's much easier to then fix that digitally. If you was to go down uh, the monochrome design, which is the purely black and white one, we basically take your image into a piece of software called Adobe Illustrator. And I basically 
recreate that image. So once I've got it to a place that I'm happy with, we then send that back to the customer and we go through three rounds of iterations. So if you're not quite happy with how something looks or you want something tweaking, then yeah, we'll try and fix, fill the fold that in. That's not so easy on the sketch. Well, Claire makes it sound really easy. Yeah, yeah. see, see, I'm not the one doing the work. So I'm <laughs> back at this point until uh, until the posting starts, really. Yeah, so Claire's usually asleep at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, dreams yeah, it I, up. That's, that's wakes yeah. up and it's a finished product. Look at that. Wakes up and it's there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I go through three rounds of amends or changes with the customer. Thankfully, up up until now, nobody's ever required more than that and then yeah once the customer's happy we have our printer we have a relationship with a printing company who then prints it for us and deliver it claire wraps it and make sure oh, it's no no it's he's simplifying me you know, claire just wraps it that's what she does <laughs> <laughs> yeah claire just does the rest of it e easy peasy just puts it in paper puts a bow on it and calls it a day <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you do you you Claire are doing all the the QC on the the printing work on that finish end making sure that everything meets what you guys want to be putting out there as a product. Yeah, just uh finishing it off, yeah, just wrapping it off, making it look fancy, uh, acceptable to be opened by anyone who wants one, yeah, so. Yeah, that's one thing we've been big on. For early on, we couldn't find a printer we were happy with. Mm. So some prints were cool and then some were inconsistent and it was it took a while for us to find a relationship with a printer that we trusted so we're fortunate now that we have that relationship in place and then yeah we i don't want this to sound really fluffy but we want it to be a bit of an experience so we're kind of happy with how we package everything and we yeah, want it to be a certain way moved in like you know just even things like you know colors it was wrapped in and, and things like that it just as long as it all fits together and it's like well, visually pleasing to open and people are excited about that they've actually got an art of virology print in the hands and what more do we want that's what makes it special that's how you know you're ordering from people i like that so, so i've yeah. recently ordered a t-shirt from you guys actually uh and and i suspect you know that um yeah. Is that the same process? So, so is there a different process if I'm ordering a, a print or a T-shirt? Is there is there a difference in your back end, uh, back of the house, as it were, uh, um, delivery and creation process? Yeah, with the T-shirts, it's slightly different because it's it's I wouldn't say it's newer than the um, prints, but with the prints, we house quite a, a few, so it is um, a lot easier for me to you know get through obviously with the kids being at home it's easier to just take from the shelves that we've already got pre-printed and stuff but with t-shirts wise we don't get as many orders a week that we do t-shirts uh, as prints kind of thing yeah so the issue with t-shirts we don't hold stock yeah so our printers they can print on demand for us it comes at a bit of a premium to ourselves but we're hoping over time we sell more and more more and more yeah. we can get that premium them, yeah yeah. yeah. So the issue is, if we was to hold stock, we may have, I don't know, loads of two XLs. Yeah. And then they're just redundant. So right. Basically, you place your order. We we have all of our templates and everything set up with our printer, and then we basically say to them, this this product needs to go to 
Germany, and it needs to be there by Thursday. Yeah. You didn't send my shirt to to Germany, did you? Oh, maybe. <laughs> no. Well, that that's good because I'd rather uh, I'd rather get it in my hands versus some of these Ger- German folks that would never send it back to me. So no, you wouldn't get it back from them. That's a dope T-shirt. <laughs> How did you pick the uh, the watches that you decided to to start with? What was what's your your thought process going behind what watches you're going to keep? in stock against what you're going to use for custom orders. I mean, you have a, a great diversity of, of watches up there right now, but what's what's driving your choices? Um, initially, it was it was whatever we thought was cool. Like your dream watch? Yeah. Kind of... it, it started with a series of grails. So we had the, the speedies and the subs. I think we did a Bella Ross early on, which yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> um, That's a little random, but... Yeah. Cool, cool uh, watches. Yeah, they're doing some cool stuff on a minute as well. Um, have you guys seen that new releases? Man, I, that brand new, the BR05, is that the one you're talking about? I think so. You, you know, they uh, just released, uh, they just sort of announced or, or released, I'm not sure which it is, uh, this watch called the BR05, which is this sort of Adam RPK, uh, yes. Royal Oak, uh, yeah, kind of oh, married yeah. with a... Uh, a nautilus perhaps and and i think it's really interesting uh I, I felt a little bit when i first saw it i felt a little bit like this is a photoshop meme joke because it's so derivative that i was i was a little bit shocked i i think probably on its own it's a cool watch i i don't know how i feel about the derivative nature of it though yeah so yeah that <laughs> back, back, back to the point at hand um then... <laughs> we'll just leave it there i like it yeah. Um yeah, initially it was just a set of grails. Um and then I had this fascination with the moon watch, so I just basically kept doing different iterations. We did an anniversary print for that. It was um, it's a kind of purple, purpley green poster that's I think that's been our best seller. Yeah, yeah, for a so, few months now. Wait, which well, which watch is this? The business. The yeah. dark side uh, one. The Speedmaster, it's called the Anniversary Print, and it's in purple, and you get half of the watch, and there's a moon, and it, it's got the date of the moon landing and so on. Mm. But yeah, that's our bestseller, which is never expected. No. <laughs> um, and then we've not done any new releases, really, besides the Sketch Series. So I think time is being eaten up now by the custom orders that we get, and it, it, it's yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know if we're going to reach a tipping point where we need to find other artists or something to help with the load. Well, I don't know, because it's like, we if we do the custom prints, the custom prints is obviously like a personal thing, so there's some prints that we've done for customers that we've not released, but it could be released because it's just like, say, a black Seamaster, but because we've already done it for a custom, they've paid the custom price, therefore we don't release as a generic preprint, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there are a few in the in the burner that we could, you know, swap around with some of our other prints to may have better sellers or something like that. But because we've already done that, we'd have to rejig it to sell on pre-printed. Yeah. So with the custom prints, we retain copyright. Yeah. But basically, what you pay for is the service to have your watch interpreted in a poster. But out of I don't know, kind of basically, if I'd paid for something. That I could buy a pre-printed one for 
I don't know, $30, or I've paid $100 to have a custom made. And then next week I seen what I'd paid $100 for trading at $30, I'd be pissed off. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Hence why we don't. Yeah, so we, we try to stay away from that. But yeah, anything that takes our fancy, really, or if we get mm. a lot of requests. Yeah, we do get requests for a few things, don't we? So. Yeah, but they tend to be kind of sporadic. Yeah. So, yeah, well, if a new release of a watch is coming out, it's like, are you doing this, are you doing this, are you doing this? And it's like, not just yet. Right. <laughs> it, it's not even been produced yet. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, and we, get, we get a lot of people wanting micro brands. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is, is difficult. So what, what, makes, what makes doing micro brand watches more difficult than, than, say, for instance, doing an SKX? More the fact, I think the micro brands, if we was to, when you say difficult, do you mean... We, we we wouldn't stock it basically because there wouldn't mm. be demand for that. Whereas the SKX again is one of our best sellers and it's it's iconic essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the micro brands say I am absolutely obsessed with the Halios Seaforth. Yeah, but I th- I think so many of us are. What mm-hmm. a wonderful watch! And it's mega. But if if we was to draw that and hold it in stock, maybe I could be wrong, but I'm unsure if we'd have that demand. And our house isn't big enough to have hundreds of posters <laughs> in stock, so you could just wallpaper your walls with the C4, though. I think I'd be good with that. <laughs> yeah, he's, to be he's fair. trying to wallpaper the house with his prints, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, I guess that brings up an interesting, for for me at least, an interesting idea. Some people might not find this interesting, but uh, are you able to sort of focusing? on your pricing model are you able to make allowances for smaller stock or how much does minimum order quantity and the ability to print multiple iterations of something at once how much does that affect your workflow on that we can't because it is a local printer we have a good relationship they're kind of friendly it doesn't have much of an impact it is just purely space at the moment um yeah and we try not to hold too much stock that isn't selling well yeah, basically, we try not to sit on stock that doesn't sell. Purely. Well, that's wise, yeah. So say you were able to do a a Seaforth print. Say one day you got inspired, you made a drawing or a sketch of a Seaforth. Would you theoretically be able to do that and, and then print three or five of those with, with minimal impact and have them for, for when people want them, but maybe charge a little bit more. Hey, we this is lower demand, so we can these are three dollars more per print or something. Is that is that something you're able to do at this time? Um, we probably could be able to do it. Um I, I mean I'm not trying to apply pressure, but I'm turning the screws a little bit, guys. Yeah, no, it, it just depends <laughs> on So one of the things people don't realize, which is a big it eats into our product, is shipping to the States. Oh sure. So out of our customers, we've shipped to over 28 countries now, I think. Mm. And so basically, our we send each of our posters in a an A2 tube. Yeah. And that costs us £11.95. To send it, yeah. Yeah. So it's about $13, $14 to ship it to the States. That's not, that's not a small amount of money. No. no. Um, so a lot of the people, hence when we spoke earlier about people who were much bigger than we are, usually a lot of the emails are, why is shipping so expensive? Yeah. Because and we, we have to put this in a box and put postage on it and actually get it to you, you son of a bitches. <laughs> yeah. So if you consider it's going to cost 
fourteen dollars to ship to the states, and then the packaging that, that sits in and the cost of that, yeah, the way we package it and the stickers and the marketing promotion. So and, you could and, be um, looking at bit of my time and Claire's time. Yeah, yeah. So that could be twenty <laughs> twenty dollars or so to get the product to the customer, and then you have to have the printed costs plus markup on the poster. So you could be looking at forty forty five dollars for a poster, which if you take a step back, would anybody be willing to pay that much? I don't know. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's, it all works out. It's like a lot of the time we think like, is is it worth worth it all? Like you know, it, it's very enjoyable. We like doing it. It's obviously everyone else enjoys it too. Like you know, receiving a print and stuff. But then sometimes you know we do come back to ourselves. We are only a small business, and sometimes it does come out of our pockets. You know, sure. to start. You know, when we first started, it came out of our own pockets. It was like, shall we, shan't we, shall, shall we buy the prints all out? Because at the start, it was like we bought them all, didn't we? We bought them all and we had loads and loads of stock. And then it was, you know, and then the bigger it gets, the bigger it gets. It's, oh, we haven't got this in stock yet. We haven't got that in stock yet. Yeah. And things like that. So it's a bit hit and miss everywhere. And Basically, what oh. we're saying is a lot of what we do is trial and error. Yeah, and yeah. Sure. So when we started again, I, we didn't mention this before, but until we had an accountant, we didn't realise we were initially losing money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, the business through our personal Yeah, we were just, we were just giving them away. We were just sending them off, you know. So and, and, money. Feeling, and feeling low pressure because some income was coming in, but but at the end of the day, it wasn't it wasn't a feasible uh, long-term project. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, we so, talk about this a lot on, on the show in, in, in different sort of iterations, but, but the idea that... <clears throat> excuse me there's always going to be that customer that feels like they're they they can't pay too they can't pay that much for that thing and and, and i think that finding that that threshold I, I sometimes it's a knife edge and sometimes it's it's a it's a lot wider than that but um uh, having the ability as a business owner to understand the the delta between um what you need to make to to make a living or perhaps to even become modestly successful versus what Joe Schmo on his couch in Cleveland wants to pay for for the thing you're doing uh having the ability to navigate that delta I think is probably the hardest thing about this process you know we we do a thing here where every week we get together and we drink beers and it's very low stress but for neither of us this is our full-time gig uh but even sometimes we have to think about that you know we, when we go to our wives and we say hey uh sweetie I need to buy a, a a mixing board or a microphone because we're going to go to portland and interview these watch guys and we can't look like assholes we need to have semi-professional <laughs> stuff um i wore shirts and a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> uh you, you know that's it, it's a thing we have to think about you know how, how do we how do we invest in this company how do we continue to put out a product that people want but but not you, you know not risk uh spending the money that we're working hard for and you guys have done this full time you guys have completely converted or at least in Claire's instance completely converted your income base to this thing so how do you guys navigate that and this isn't a question so much I'm just talking about generally the principle I think that's a really hard uh, a, a difficult thing to navigate yeah I think one of the big things was getting an accountant in and I, th I do feel like we've hit a sweet spot now in regards to the cost of the product and, yeah. and the delivery one thing an early mistake we made was i tried to well i think we both tried to set the business up as a business rather than this is us two claire yeah. and liam at home 
purely, I, th- I don't know if it was based on a, a trust issue, but we wanted to look bigger than we were. And now we feel that's kind of detrimental. So we're trying to untie it and basically tell a story of this mm. is just living clear. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult at the start when, you know, demand was there and, and it just, at the start, it was, it was really difficult for me to get through, especially when our first Christmas hit, I think it was. And we had a little one who was, you know, just coming up to, um, what, a couple of months old. And it was really difficult trying to get through the, you know, sorting through the, the posters and, and trying to get everyone else's, you know, you know, Christmas presents out to everyone. And, and it just really hit us hard. And then we just had to really, like, focus on it, didn't we, a bit more, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I think we need to... We're, we're trying to get a story out that is, this is us two, this married couple. Yeah. See, we're doing a, a family, um, basically. We're doing like a show, aren't we, in in the UK, like a, in the Midlands, not not far from now. And you know, it's a little event for all the. Oh, sorry. It's a watch fair. A watch fair. It's a watch fair. <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> getting told in whispers. Um, it's a watch fair. So you know, just to, just to show people, you know, if if they have heard of us, that this is us. It's just us two. It's not like a, a massive company and things like that. So it is it is nice that we we are getting, you know rounded up basically and going who are you what do you do and things like that and even things of we never had it on the website like who we are and stuff so we started doing a little about you kind of pages and and trying to make it a little bit more personal kind of thing haven't we Mm. so it doesn't hit us too big it's so impressive for just like a tuesday plan coming home and and saying you know i i think i want to try this and especially after being pretty pretty new into watches i mean getting just kind of igniting that passion uh what was that that trigger that that got you into watches and then subsequently down this this trail that you're on? Yeah, I think so. I may be going a bit off piece here, so wrote me back in if so. But I've always been very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So before watches, I had a a charity that I built a website for, and everything was based around coming up with an idea and just trying to put it into motion. So. I'm always coming up with ideas and so on. <laughs> yeah, it's which... just like you'd come home with an idea and then like the next day you'd be like, oh, by the way, I want a jet ski. And then the next day it'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh then the next day after that it'd be like, oh, I want a sailing boat, let's go away. And you'd be like, okay, what are we going to do? Which one should we choose? So um, That sounds <laughs> yeah. familiar. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically I come from um, a family of engineers, but nobody kind of wore watches in my family. So basically, I think I've grown up with men that are interested in how things work and very hands-on and mechanics and so on. And then, yeah, the first time I seen a moon, the moon watch, basically, that whole story of it going to the moon and it coming back and it still worked and it was fine. And then you know how it is. You go down a rabbit hole. and <laughs> Well, we don't know anything about rabbit holes here. <laughs> or oh, moon watches, a- for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> There was a podcast where you spoke about, is it the carpenter who builds things on YouTube? Oh, boy. Uh, The carpenter. (laughs) You know, we've talked about Alex Steele. He's a blacksmith. We've talked about... Some machining uh, Dar- guys. Dar- Darbin Orver is a uh, is in a carpenter. She does a lot of stuff. It, I'm not sure exactly. We talk about a lot of builders. We're we, kind of tinkerers. We do. We love that stuff. Oh, are you talking about the guy that does the flame finish wood? Yes. Johnny yeah. Bills. Yeah, Johnny Bills. That's right. That's, that's right. It, yeah. But yeah, ba- basically, I went down a, 
a big black hole of watches, movements. And well, to be honest, it was kind of more like, oh, I like the Speedy, I want the Speedy. And it was like more like, don't think you can afford that. <laughs> let's draw it, let's stick it up on the wall, we're done. <laughs> <Get it>. <laughs> Sorted. <laughs> you can hang it. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. It's been on our wall ever since, hasn't it? Yeah. And the funny thing is, I think I'm not that interested in it anymore. No, Probably because I've drawn so many. But. It, you're you're feeling like you're losing interest in the watches a bit. No, just <laughs> I think this the Speedmaster was the watch I always wanted, and then I've drawn it so many times that I think it's kind of killed it for me. Oh, <laughs> oh the Speedmaster specifically. Yeah, yeah I, I've also got chicken wrists, so it looks fairly big on me. It looks big on me too. I don't. I was so disappointed when I when I put it on. I was like, come on, I I want to like you more. But it's just yeah. it, it's just not for me. So since we're there, what uh, what does your your watch collection look like? Uh oh, mine. We're, we're getting giggling from Claire. No, yeah. you guys are here together. We yeah. want to know both of you. What's guys. it look like? Well, we'll go for yours first. So, so I once had this lovely Tudor vintage print state that I had to sell to have the kitchen renovated. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, my, mine's fairly, I don't know what the word is. It's, it's, it's a good collection. It's my SKX, which is daily beta. Mm, um, yeah, my Viso date was, Oh, that. that's mm. probably my most sentimental piece. Yeah, Claire, can you please say the word Tissot again? Oh, but did I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not very No, say it again, it's important. Tissot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> it's better than how I say it. Yeah, so that's how I went in when I went to go and buy. Can I have a chisset, please? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was like a 30th birthday present, wasn't it? So Yeah, so that that's a watch I say lusted after for a long time. Um, I've got a Black Bay 58, Ooh. which that was a kind of treat for the posters doing so well. <laughs> um, I had to beg for that for a while. Well, well then, done, well done. You've landed it. Yeah. Good job. And then I've got the other pieces I like. I've got a Seiko 5 my granddad gave me. And the more sentimental pieces, so I've got this old weird Parmex thing that's it's absolutely worthless, but my nan gave it to me. It was her watch way back when. So, yeah, mine's kind of it's quite a light, light collection. Light collection. Hmm. <laughs> mega i love it I, I i'm hearing i'm hearing a little skepticism coming from the other side of the podcast here no mine's mine's more casio based so i dig that i have probably about seven or eight different variations of casio oh, oh yeah that one and then i've got a what'd you say an alo alo um a quartz one yeah but then i've also got to be honest i did buy a seiko recently didn't i myself because I actually like the look of it. It's like a bronze dial, you know, it, it just looked really nice. And went ahead and just bought it. It was a Sport 5, wasn't it? Yeah. And then I, I, I'm fairly slim. So on my wrist, it doesn't look quite right, does it? It's about seven times too big. <laughs> but, you know, the ladies can get away with, I The think, big watches are wearing bigger watches, yeah. Not, yeah, I'm not too sure about this one. Um so I don't know. Like I still, I've still got to have a nine. I still do like it. And it was like the first one I actually went. Oh, do you know, I love that watch. I'm gonna buy it. Um, and then recently, you bought me a vintage Omega. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a nice little dainty piece. So I've, I've got a, two nice little watches there. But then the, the majority are Casio based ones. So. 
you know, this this sounds actually similar to Andrew and I's watch dynamic. I'm the one who's always bringing in new stuff and going bigger. And Andrew's like, you know, I like this F91 and I'm going to keep rocking this. I want it in all three colorways. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. Like, I've got like a matte black one. I've got a camo one. I've got a yes. gold one. Silver. I've, I've just got too many. But every time I see them, I can't help but buy them. So it's like, <laughs> I just need them there. Um but I have said to you though, my next one because Liam got his fifty-eight. I would like a black bay thirty-six. So oh yeah, this is my- oh yeah, you're speaking so, our language right now. Yeah, so I think I need to start begging now and then. You know, his and hers kind of watch. You can stay up late and draw some posters. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, guys. Well, I I know we talked a little bit about this before, Andrew. I'm sorry, I've interrupted you. I was just clearing my throat. Oh, okay. I I know we've talked about this before, but uh, before we started recording, but one of the things we do every episode is we talk about uh, other things we like, uh, because I, I think we thought it was important from uh, an early phase of our podcast that it, you know, we don't just like watches. We we like watches, but we like other things. So each week we do this thing. I understand that you guys have uh, thought of another thing, but we'll we'll start we'll start as is the tradition with with Andrew and then and then me and and then we'll if you haven't prepared something I'm going to give you probably about seven minutes would be my guess to scramble wildly on your Google machine and find something but Andrew other things what do you got man whenever we get into a jam about another thing that we haven't thought of I just typically go to my YouTube history (laughs) Uh, if if, if that's some help that you guys need uh and I'll I'll send you this link Ev uh to youtube.com no, it's NPR today. Okay. <laughs> uh, India failed to have their soft landing. Oh yeah, I read about this. They they don't know exactly what happened yet, but it was there was all this hype. They had everything done, and they they didn't get their soft landing on the moon. So, so yeah, they, give us give well maybe some they context. did. So India has been working to land a lander and rover on the south pole of the moon, which is an area of the moon that has not yet been landed on by any of the other three countries who have landed things on the moon and and maintained them because Japan a couple of weeks ago launched a, something into the moon. It also failed, but right? It was Japan. Am I uh, wrong about that? Gosh, I don't know, but... Sorry. Somebody just crashed something into the moon recently that they weren't <laughs> intending on crashing into the moon. It wasn't me. No, it wasn't me either. So, you know, we're clear on that. But are you making the China Japan error again? No, man. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. It's possible. Uh, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. Sorry, y'all. But India just had their uh, had their lander and rover combo. They lost communications with it. They don't think it's made it. They're still trying to diagnose exactly what happened, and I'm sure more news will come out in in the coming days. But they felt really confident. They'd. They'd gone through all their previous missions where they've had separations and, uh, ooh, I forget the word for it, where they meet back and join forces and then fly back. Anyway, they've done all their things. They, they had all their gates met, and then they lost their lunar lander. And I'm bummed. I was really hoping to see success on that. I want to see more things. I'm motion, motioning and gesturing. Like I people like can these see me, gestures. They're good. Uh, at the moon. Uh, I want to see more things land on the moon. Yeah, no, it, it's it's pretty disappointing. Uh, pretty disappointing. It seems like there's still a bit of a question mark, but I assume the more time that goes by, the less likely it is that it's a malfunction and it's a crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little it's, bummed. It's Hopefully, they bad. figure it out, and here in the next few months, they've got the resources to try again and drop something on the moon. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it's such a, I, I think this is, you know, why in the 60s in the United States, um, we had a hard time publicly supporting the space race. And, and, and we see that a little bit now. There's this tension between the amount of resources involved in space exploration versus uh, the benefits gleaned. Uh, you, you know, I, I always think that supporting certain things that are hard to justify is important. You know, for, for me, education is is something that we don't support enough because I think some people in their minds think it's maybe not important, but 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 more sort of ambiguously, I, I think, gosh, we need to be supporting art um, and we need to be supporting uh, the humanities, I guess, is, is the way I would refer to it. But but furthermore, we need to be exploring things just for the sake of exploring things, and we need to be investing our resources. I, I'm a lot more motivated to give to give our government or governments money to try to go to the moon than I am to put a wall up between us and Mexico. And I hope that's not a hot button. But but whew, there's this priority. It certainly is a hot button. But there's this prioritization that it is hard to make when it comes to things like like art or space exploration or whatever, it, it seems like always historically and probably forever and ever, amen, there's going to be this tension between what are we getting out of this versus versus how much we're spending on it. And I think it's really important. So hopefully, like you said, India is able to get their feedback under them on this thing. I want them to get on the moon. I want that South Pole explored. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I want to know. So I've got another thing. Do it. I've got another thing. It's been at least two weeks since we've talked about uh, a Netflix show. So do you mind if I do it? Oh, I think it's actually an Amazon show. doesn't matter. <laughs> you just talk to your Roku, tell it what to do. Yeah. Right. Roku. So there's a show that came out recently called Carnival Row. Hmm. Carnival uh, Row. This is a, uh, I, I think it's probably appropriate to say a fantasy setting in a world where there are fairies and there are, uh, minotaurs and other sort of mythical beings. So fantasy is very accurate. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and these they're people, right? They're just people, and they're people that live with us. And um, we, you know, when I say us, I mean just normal old human hominids. Um, and and the culture is very much set in maybe the the early twentieth century uh global world but but without having any of the geographical references uh and it's this fantasy show that's got monsters and heroes and villains but but it's also exploring you know race dynamics and and things that we deal with in our in our real life at IRL uh in a <laughs> fun and exciting and sort of romantic way uh, it's been really fun. It, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit indulgent at times. It's a little bit, you know, otherworldly and, and sort of uh, fantastical, which which makes sense. But it's been really fun. I think we're about halfway through the first season, which is the only season that's available, and it's been really cool. It's been a fun watch. So if you've seen that pop up in your feed, I totally recommend it. The writing's good. It the story's a little dense, uh, and, and so that's created a few. Uh, lapses where Kim and I have had to go back and sort of rewatch something or or stop and, and talk about what was happening. Uh, so the story's complex, and it's just been a lot of fun. Great. Great. Claire, Liam, what do you guys got? Well, uh, TV shows and things like that. We've been... Other things. Other things. 
Hey, so, I think, yeah. <laughs> I was a bit yeah. not there then, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> My thing is, before all of this, we were massive climbers. Mm. So, yeah, we travel Europe and we'd climb and drink beer and we'd climb. <laughs> and then we'd climb, climb, climb. And then we had kids and posters. And When you say climb, were, do you mean like top roping or, or like uh, like mountain climbing? Yeah, all okay. of it. Okay. Roping, lead. Um, I don't know what you guys call it in the states. Um, traditional trad climbing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We use the same terminology here. Oh, sure. <laughs> Weird, yeah. right? That that's <laughs> wouldn't usually fit, but yeah, no, that tracks. Well, we've got different grading systems and stuff, but yeah, yeah. So my thing is, I'm pushing massively for Claire to let me go climbing soon. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my other thing that I'm interested in. Yeah. Now it's more kind of uh, national trusts. Do you know national trusts? Tell me more. I don't. Oh, okay. Um, they're just like stately homes in um, the UK. So the national trust own these stately homes, and you purchase a car, a card yearly, and um, you go to these stately homes and things like that. So basically, that's what we do now because we're the kids, don't we? We okay. just kind of Are- go ahead. When you say yes. stately homes, are they like museums, like historical yeah. homes and estates that have been? maintained and are now open to the public to explore and yes okay so we we kind of do those kind of things now with kids because you just kind of let them roam free don't we (laughs) are are these homes that were historically owned by aristocracy yes yeah yes national trust are an organization that purchased these homes and then maintain them Mm -hmm. via public donations and yeah and support so yeah but they tend to have big gardens and you pay a small amount each month yeah so it's just and you can just visit and the kids get to play and there's always loads of fun stuff on. Yeah, there's always events on and stuff. So it's just more kind of getting out and about and making sure the kids are still out and about. If we can't go climbing for a little while, then uh, we can take them later on. Look at our next home. Yeah. <laughs> Since you guys are climbers, did you guys watch the Dawn Wall? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was terrific. <laughs> that was one of the most incredible feats I've ever seen. Are you familiar with it? Ed? No, tell me, tell me. It, so a dude did... He climbed the Dawn Wall in Yosemite, uh, and he created his own route, like a part of this this enormous wall, like rock face in Yosemite National Park that had never been summited. So he designed his own route through it. It was two dudes who uh, were the first to ever ever free climb it. It was it's a really impressive documentary. And this guy has this crazy story. He was they were like him and his girlfriend, a couple of friends, were climbing in ooh Kyrgyzstan. And they yes. got captured by like rebels. Homie pushed one of the rebels off the cliff, and then they ran for three days through the wilderness and got saved. It was it's a crazy story. He lost a finger in a table saw accident, and he still climbed. It's a watch the documentary, The Don Wall, y'all. It's worth it, even if you don't like climbing. That sounds interesting. Definitely do it. Yeah. I, I feel a little like your your segue was such that you're not interested in all at the National Trust, though. I I will actually I had a question but then I then the Don Wall popped in my head. The question is uh, how old are some of these homes that you guys are going to see? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, like from the 1700s. Yeah. Some even like castles and things like that, aren't they? That's, yeah. So it, like, you know, castles in like Conway, in like Wales and things. That's so know. cool. <laughs> you, you, you know, we obvi- for obvious reasons have have less of that in the states, but we do have some, you know, some of these historically significant homes that have been maintained. It's normally by by nonprofits. We don't have uh, 
as far as I know, there's no national or federal government agency that's maintaining these things. But uh, over the last several years, I've had the opportunity to <clears throat> tour, you know, James Madison's home and, and Thomas Jefferson's famous Monticello. And then in Portland, we've also got a place called the Pittock Mansion, which is newer, but but also significant. And it's really fun to be able to just, you know, see the the architectural inspiration. You You know, you do these tours and they always have fantastic old artwork and it, it, it's a really fun it's a fun opportunity yeah it's amazing there's, there's actually a place in liverpool which is not too far from us called the hardman house and i think they were photographers i think it was and basically that house in liverpool is kind of set up exactly how they left it so even things like cupboards left open with uh, you know the egg rations from like the war and and it, it's literally like jam-packed with so much stuff that is barely like movable but all the stuff is from the era and it's all left out on the table and things like that. So it's really like impressive to see that people have kept it like that and to show it like that. So, yeah, you know, I I had some of the same feelings when I, when I toured uh, Monticello, I I actually went through Monticello a couple of times, which is the the home that Thomas Jefferson built. And uh, I had that feeling too, going through like, how amazing is it that there's this thing that is almost certainly been in Thomas, you know, this pen, for instance, that's almost certainly been in Thomas, Jeff- Thomas Jefferson's hand as he was writing, who knows yeah. what, um, you, you know, re- really fun. And, and and I don't know how much of this context you guys have in your National Trust homes, but Thomas Jefferson is famous in American politics for all sorts of things. But, but one of the things that he's sort of more increasingly, there's more increasing awareness of is his relationship to slavery. He was, you know, famously a slaveholder, uh, as, as slavery was sort of public knowledge. And so when, when you do tour the, the property, there's these slave quarters and there's underground, um, you know, service, service hallways and quarters and, uh, you, you know, it's just this fascinating glimpse into history that's that's really fun. Oh, yeah. It's like, we, we love it, don't we? And the kids, like, they just lap it all up, don't they? It's like all the corridors and things like that and all the little secret rooms and things like that that <coughs> we have in places like that here as well. So it's quite interesting. Perfect to play hide-and-seek. You just close the door and you can come back in a half an hour and they'll still think you're looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, very cool, guys. I think that this is about the time where we're probably going to uh, start start to wrap it up. Uh, I'd like to give you guys an opportunity to uh, just if there's anything that you guys want to freestyle on or or anything that you guys would like to plug. Now would be a great time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got the Watch It Watch Fair hosted by Watch It All About on the eighth of November in Rugby. If you're in the UK, might be a bit far for you guys. We probably <laughs> yeah. won't make it. Oh, uh, <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> We've also set up a 15% discount code on the site if you use the coupon code 40 and 20. Oh, really? Yeah. Look at that. This is, hey, you guys, this is important. This is our very first coupon code. <laughs> Milestone. <laughs> I will pimp that. How, how long is that going to run? So we've set that up to run till the end of this month. Wonderful. Perfect. We'll keep it running. We will make sure that everyone knows. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's about it. That's yeah. Well, Definitely. very good, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Andrew, do you have any parting thoughts? You guys were great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for giving us some insight into into what y'all are doing and and for passing that uh, that on to to our listeners. Yeah, well, well, thanks for having us. You know, thanks for like letting us have the opportunity to like speak and uh, 
possibly like understand what what we're actually <laughs> where we're going to as well really isn't it yeah it, it this massively helps us to get this the story the story out there we're not a massive company and it yeah. is just us two at home makes us understand that it's not as small as we think it is <laughs> and one more thing let all of our listeners know where they can find you guys so you can find us at www.art-of-horology.co.uk wonderful thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 y'all uh obviously as always feel free to check us out uh at instagram at 40 and 20 you can if you would like to support the show because really this helps us out so much you can check us out at patreon.com 40 and 20 please check out art of horology they do wonderful stuff it's a ton of fun uh discount code 40 and 20 for a 15 percent discount through the end of september uh, don't forget to tune back in next thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>